Hello everyone and welcome to the Critically Acclaimed Popcorn for Dinner podcast. We're joined by our producer, Ibuka Namani, who's making his first appearance behind the mic. <laughs> and What's that, up, guys? that very enthusiastic response was by our special guest, stand-up comedian, actress, writer, and all-round content creator, Chinasa Sainukam. That's me. Um, so I was on Chinasa's show sometime last year, and then she forced us to have shots on her show. So I figured I might as well repay the favor. But obviously, as a man, I'm more empathetic and kinder. So I said, just drink whatever you want to drink and you don't need to do shots. So, okay, so that's still an idea for my show. They can't package this as empathy. Fear men. Fear <laughs> men. That's what I to say. And um, relax. I'm not drinking mom and dad chair. <laughs> I'm just going to do my best, you know, as the only woman here to just not be silent. Wow. Um, <laughs> you guys heard that. You guys, you guys heard that. <laughs> I'm going to cut it out. It's what boys have. It's like a thumb. Well, honey, some girls like to suck on their thumb. Let's talk about Queen's Gambit. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, real quick. Yes or no answer. Is this the singular most boring thing? that TV has made interesting. So, the nominees are Chess with Queen's Gambit, Chemistry with Breaking Bad, Banking with Industry, and then the Kardashians. <laughs> okay, I'm picking this, actually. I'm definitely picking this. Yeah, Queen's Gambit. It's like, Chess is interesting. It's okay, but it's it shouldn't have you gripped. Like It should not be this interesting issue. Yeah, it shouldn't have you this gripped. I don't know if I would agree. I haven't seen all of the shows you listed, but I think... Anything that requires just an insane amount of brain power, dedication, it just can't be boring because it's like, guy, you have to be a master of the mind to be good at this thing. So just, just that, just the level of work that requires actually being good at the thing, I think that is what's fascinating, which is like the concept of genius. So I think chess is just the vehicle through which that is happening. So I think the way they told the story allows it to not be boring because even if you don't, even if you don't know shit about chess, you're going to respect it at the end of the show. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that was a very thought-out, reasoned answer. My question was just, I was just meant to be like a not-so-veiled attempt to shoot at the Kardashians, but yeah. I'm sure I'm profound. I'll, yeah, you are profound. It's just beautiful to watch people be, be like, boss shit they're good at. Like, it's just, that will always be good. Mm-hmm. Even if it's literally like archery, even if it's literally like golf. Just watching people be really good at something is this fascinating yeah i really like watching people who have a, a passion or are yeah. really good at something and like the sacrifices that they're willing to make to yeah. get to get to that level like um whiplash is one of my best films of the last 10 years and oh it's like God. it's like how much are you willing to risk to achieve that goal and i really I don't know if it's me projecting. I'm like, oh, I think I would do this if I was in this position because I want to. Obviously, most times that sacrifice leads to this descent into madness that I guess we'll talk about later. Yeah. But it's like, I always like to think, oh, I would do that. Like, I'm watching Replash. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll take that risk. I'll sacrifice that thing to, to achieve that goal. I think um, it's very interesting. And I think one thing that I like that the show didn't do is also romanticize it because I'm just like too exist on that kind of level that is like number one in the world mm-hmm. whatever it is you're doing that comes at a cost that will always come at a cost and i i love like the scenes where 
His name was Beltrick, I believe, Henry. But when he moved in with her, he was just like, guy, living here, I really realized that for me, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Like, I love it, sure, but like, guy, she was sitting with this Benny guy. They finished smashing for the first time. She was like, so why are you thinking? This guy was like, King 2.9. What are you saying right now? <laughs> what are you saying right now? It's also just like, because the pressure that comes with trying to not only achieve that level of excellence, but also to, to sustain it, mm-hmm. it can con- it can consume you, and yeah. it and it consumes a lot. I think it, I, I don't I don't think it can. I think it always has to consume. No, yep, yep, that's what I mean by yeah, it. like yeah, it, 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 you just have to figure out how you're gonna balance that. And but anyway, we'll get to that. Ibuka, did you like this show? Oh yeah, I loved it. It was very very gripping. Like mm-hmm. I've seen it described as anime for like you know the a, a different crowd so the way the exact way that chess is so interesting is the same way anime can make mundane things interesting so it's like you think you think chess is boring or like from looking outside you're like oh chess is boring but they build tension well and they make you feel everything that's going on in the game even though you might not completely understand it yeah i'm surprised it, it took a, you it was a great issue. this long to bring up anime so <laughs> well well done to that well done for that <laughs> something that i thought about after i finished the show was that it's a good show and not in terms of its quality but it's a show where things are good and people are good we're programmed in a way that we're watching a show and we for me for example i'm watching the show and when she gets adopted with the dad i'm like okay something something weird is gonna happen with this guy hey might he might hit her or he might try to assault her. Like, that's where this show is going to go. And it, it just happens that he's just a dick. He's just he's just like a distant dick. And that's just it. Yeah. Like, he's just a terrible person like that. It's not a normal bad guy. Yeah, the no, show is uh, not trying to... And like, look, this show is... She's a girl who's making it in this male-dominated industry at this time. So like, it does have that to say, but it doesn't say it in a way that we're used to with the kind of shows we've been watching in the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. No, I was going to like agree with what you were saying in the sense that even though they didn't outrightly say or, or like draw attention to the fact that she's coming up in this male dominated industry, I felt like they they showed it they showed attention to it. Like they ma- yeah. they tried to make you notice without yeah. saying it outright. Yeah, I mean de- definitely, yeah. They did it very intelligent. Like even the interview, for example, the interview I just kept saying, Yeah, but you're a girl, yeah, I mean I should have said relevant relevance question mark it's literally not relevant to the interview so i think there's ways to do that without having the central characters involved yeah. it's just um another like successful formula in general for tv shows is always trauma and like some sort of triumph over that trauma but i think that what we're getting better at doing is having a more realistic version of that as opposed to because there was a point of people thought that like audiences needed to have this like happy ending this like clean, cut, whatever. And I think when it's place now that a lot of people are like, we want something that is more like real life. We want something that involves more investigation of self. We want something that just shows that this thing is a journey. Like there's no point you arrive and you're like, yeah, I'm fine. Like life is just putting one leg first of the next and mm-hmm. just trying to move forward. So I think that's something that this show did very well as well. Yeah, I think I I wanted to do this episode because I really wanted to rewatch The Queen's Gambit because and the first time I was watching it, it was, again, part of the thing of, oh, I'm expecting the bad thing to happen. I didn't get the chance to 
appreciate the relationship between Beth and Alma, that's her adopted mother, because I'm thinking, oh, okay, she's going to be her manager and she's going to steal her money and she's going to, like, that's what this show is going to talk about. And, like, and Alma, to be fair, had those, like, you, you could see the prickliness relationship. Like, they go to the grocery, to the shopping mall and she's not entirely warm towards Beth. She doesn't buy her the chest set. She's, like, picking out the clothes herself. And you, you think, oh, okay, this is not going to be a good relationship. This is going to be something, another piece of trauma that's going to like push Beth in one way or the other. And then, so, but then she dies. And I'm like, oh wait, that, oh, so that's the relationship done. But then when I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, this is a beautiful relationship. Beautiful. It's, it's yeah, it's, I mean, I feel like it wasn't perfect, but it was, it yeah. was just basic. It was like, okay, that's her adopted mom who's using her in some ways but isn't the worst person in the world. So it's like the way real life goes. Exactly. And that's what I mean. That's what I was going to say. In Beautiful, it's beautiful in a way that it's, it's honest. Alma doesn't... I don't think Alma is not trying to cheat Beth out of anything. Alma asks for 10% and Beth says take 15. That's... Nobody's being cheated there. Like it's... Alma grows to, to love Beth as a daughter. The same way Beth grows to love Alma as a mother. And it's like, oh, you're just showing a proper relationship grow from strength to strength. It's not... No one is, like, no one has a long game of, oh, this is how I'm going to steal this girl's money when she becomes US champion or whatever. So, and I was like, when you're watching that, because you you know the finality of the relationship and you know how abrupt it's going to end, for me, I was like, oh, this is actually really well done. This is a relationship that is real, that is makes sense in 1955, 1965. And you're like, oh, okay, I see it. I see what you guys are trying to do here. And it, First of all, what day, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for Alma to run away with Beth's money with the, with the sleazy car salesman in Mexico or something. And it's like, but that never happens. And then she dies, and Beth is truly heartbroken because she loved her as a mother. That they've they've had that relationship. Um, for me, I don't know. That I would say that it was a good relationship, which is interesting that you think that. I think for me, this is the thing. What I would say though is that is the is the relationship that Beth needed. Mm-hmm. but if we just want to start from the top of it and again it's back to like for me which i love it was realistic which i will agree with it become that because okay so beth moved into the house my god what beth is beth was like i had my period like the way just didn't care which because she was going through her own stuff which again very realistic let me see how i can support so that's the thing i won't necessarily say that okay it was this beautiful relationship and it was just like oh she grew to love her it started from a place of like oh this can make money. And then following her on the road and spending time with her, she to respect her, she grew to love her. And like I said, Beth needed that support. It wasn't a mod- it wasn't your typical mother-daughter relationship. But again, like I said, very realistic. And I don't think Alma had any intention to use anybody. I think she thought that having Beth in her life would give her some sort of peace with the loss of her child. And that didn't happen because her husband is exacerbating her stress by being a crackhead. It's kind of like when she died, remember on the, uh, on the phone with um, Beth and her husband, where he said, did you ever hear, where um, Beth said, did you ever hear her play the piano? She wasn't lost, she was stuck. Yeah. I was saying sometimes are not just, they don't have the capacity to do better than they are doing in that very moment. And what was beautiful about the relationship, I guess, which is back to back they gave each other something they both needed. Yeah, because like there's that truly obviously when Beth first has her first period, I think she goes to tell her. But that's at the same time Alma has found out that um Yeah her husband, her husband is staying in, in Denver or wherever. 
and they they go on that she says that beautiful thing which is like i can learn to be a mother because yeah. by law beth should go back to the orphanage but she wanted yeah. beth there she didn't know about the money at that point in time but she was like i'm sure i can grow to be a mother and learn to be a mother and stuff like that um okay now i'm not saying that beth's six years in the orphanage are similar to our six years in secondary school but i'm not not saying they're not the only difference is that when she left the orphanage she what they call it didn't think about it again meanwhile i still have nightmares about that school so do you know what's interesting i was having a conversation with who oh i think it was chidumaga actually because i was like Uh, chidumaga shout out let's go I was like, some, some, something boarding school, something, bo- something, but we're fine or something. He was like, are we fine? Like, I still have nightmares. Oh, and I was yeah. Like, uh, I had a discussion I, regularly. time, another human being had told me that they have nightmares about, about, the, about secondary school. Because I had it, but honestly, I never even processed it on like a level, on a deeper level. And when you think about that, like, guy, well, how many years removed from the fact? And we still have nightmares. You know how insane that is? Honestly, it's actually very scary. I have them so regularly. I'm, I'm not sure they're going to stop anytime soon. So. Mine are trying to stop, but like, what what is scary about mine? Specifically? I don't I don't even dream. In mm. general, I don't dream, but if I dream, it's a nightmare about Layla. That is insane. Mine is That's so like, mine is so weird. Is that every single one of my nightmares finds a way to get back to Layla? Like, I could be having a nightmare about being a villain in Mars. And it always finds a way to just appear in Loyola. Yeah, it's ridiculous the way. Like, just what the hell that's were it. you guys going through I in know, secondary school? We went through a lot. And that's the thing. Bangalore keeps saying second. It's not secondary school. You have to say boarding school. You have that content. Yeah. yeah. Boarding school. LJC. I literally have, I have in my notes boarding school, not secondary school. We call the local jail for children. Uh, let's delve into into the major themes or at least to me the major theme of, of queen's gambit so and i think it's very plainly set out in the interview beth has with the reporter where she says creativity and psychosis often go hand in hand and for that matter genius and madness right it's not a new trope that like people screenwriters or novelists or whatever try to explore it's something what are your what are you guys thoughts first of all do you do you agree with that with that idea do you think it's overblown I think it's overblown because I think it's most geniuses are a little quirky. Yes, I would agree, but I don't know about, you know, full-on psychosis or the way it's just assumed that if you're a genius, you have to be, no, you have to be, or you're likely to be, you know, going off the rails in other ways in your life. So yeah, I think it's definitely overblown. For me, I think it depends. And I think it's back to what we're saying about who, what kind of artist they're trying to be. If you're trying to be a bear, there's no way the rest of your life is not falling apart because you don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. It's literally as simple as that. I remember like I had a conversation with somebody who was telling me, oh, just be number one stand-up comedian. But I was like, no, I don't, I don't need to be the best. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly don't. And that's not like a lack of ambition. Yeah, I want to do great, but at the cost of what? I don't, and again, it's only at the cost of what. It's also that you cannot decide for yourself you're the best. So that's also just outsourcing yourself to so much public opinion and pressure that can kill somebody, that can literally actually kill somebody. And if you're existing with that level of pressure week to week, day to day, yet year, you don't have any sort of like stability in your life because something like chess, for example, or music, for example, look at Justin Bieber now, or music, 
things that will wear you out and you don't have kind of random stray bullet for Justin Bieber. What was that? I know. I'm saying like now he's coming back and he's being open about a lot of those. It's not a stray bullet. It's him saying, guy, I had a dream just to single, but being put on that level at that age, it almost it almost ruined his life. It honestly just depends. So I think for you, as a creative, it's like, what am I trying to achieve? What is success to me? And is that just, again, because Beth, that's the word success to her, is being a world chess champion. She's not telling you, okay, he's having a family. He's doing this, he's doing that. That looks different for a lot of people. So I think that's number one. But number two, a lot of it's outside of your control. Because even just being a wonder child, from when she was nine, that people were like, wow, you're so great. You have to sustain that. People just being a woman in a male domain, everybody's again, like, I work on doing it. You feel like you need to prove yourself in a certain way. I'm sure Lewis Hamilton being a black man in his field, he feels an insane amount of pressure. So it just depends. It, it really honestly just depends. See, Beth is a, though, I do agree with you that it depends, but I feel like Beth is obsessive and like you already said, so 100%. many other factors that she's living with contribute to her being the way she is. If yeah. we're talking about her going the rail or not having time yeah. for other things in her life apart from chess. So what she wants in life, she has to be obsessive about. But not all yeah. geniuses have to be obsessive about where they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But like, like Goku kind of said, she's an orphan without chess. What does she have? Yeah. Chess is the only thing in life that people look at her twice. And we're like, oh, yeah, worth shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also, I say it depends on you being obsessive. But her life has determined that for her. It just depends. Because another thing I was going to bring up is also faith. That's another thing, right? Because for a lot of people, and that's why you see a lot of famous people. It's two categories. Either it's like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because again, another thing is like, if you have this belief as a human being that, like you said, this is your destiny, this is your purpose, this is this is God's plan for you. You believe in God and you believe God has your back. That's what a lot of people helps them to calm themselves down when they are getting. Because even just being an actor, for example, guys, people get like hundred rejections in a week. That can demoralize anybody's spirit. Okay, so for people that have Jesus, it's like okay. I believe in Jesus, even though everything is going wrong, it's go right when it's good. Or drugs. Or drugs. Jesus or drugs. Part, like, either Jesus or drugs, for the most part. Like, like, like an incredible, incredible autobiography <laughs> title. Jesus or drugs. Even that interview could have thrown her off. She could have, she could have not wanted to do drugs and had that interview and just been like, yeah, I'm going to do some drugs to calm down because this woman irritated me. <laughs> You're constantly exposed to other people's energy. <laughs> I think it's just, a, it's just a very difficult thing being self-employed in any capacity if it's a competitive capacity that even was because you have to perform always she can't have one bad chess game because like eh, okay we're just a fluke so it's, yeah. i think it's a lot of pressure and it's just like it's either going to be jesus or drugs i don't know the way anybody will agree with me yeah. and um, we do not endorse any form of drug use on this podcast <laughs> um if we're using Queen's Gambit in particular, like it's very interesting that like they constantly mention the the chess players who who went who went mad. Like it's yeah. kind of it's, it's almost like a warning. It's almost like a joke of a warning to towards Beth. But then, and I only noticed this when I was watching rewatching it. But Beth's mom was also kind of a genius. I think she had a PhD in mathematics or something. And like you see that it's like a little snapshot in the first episode. So, but she was not someone like Beth said. Never didn't drink, didn't do drugs, but like. So she was on the other side of that thin line. She, she was 
this mathematical genius and she was doing that path and she was going there and then something must have happened and she just slipped into the other side of the line. Alma was obviously someone very talented and very creative in terms of the music and everything, but then something happens and uh, and she falls into using alcohol as a solace and, and, and that's where it is. And it's very interesting that out of the the chess players that we come we come to see over the course of the seven episodes, like it's those who took the game as a sport and they were like, we're not geniuses in this. We're, we're, we're not Beth or Benny. Those were the ones that were able to be like, oh, okay, this is not, we're not at that level. We have to take a step back and follow something a bit more mundane or a bit more low key. So people like, people like Harry and people like um, Towns and the first girl that she played, those were the guys that were like, we are good at chess. We're not geniuses at it. We're not obsessed over it and we have to take a step back. And obviously people like, Benny and and Beth are like, this is us. This is all we are, and and this is we have to it, we have to make it or bust. And so that's very, it's very interesting. Speaking of towns, Harry and um, Benny, let's talk about the men on this show. Let's. I know you have points. Say your points to hey, Before we go on here, can I just can I just say something that I feel is very very you know, disrespectful to the viewer. And it was just too thrown in our faces. I was actually, I laughed, but I was actually annoyed. So Towns, I don't remember the scene exactly, but I think she's looking up Towns in the newspaper or something. Mm -hmm. And this was, I think, right after the scene where she sees him in the room and his initials are DL Towns. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, come on, guys. Like, you didn't have to throw that at, like, right in our faces. We already get the idea. Things be like DL Towns. Wait, what does DL Towns mean? I'm confused. Are you serious? You guys don't get it. I said this to someone and they didn't get it either. Am I the only one who's heard the term DL? What does DL like, mean? Down low, like he's gay or what? Like when a guy is on the DL. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't think. I didn't think that when I saw that. As in, is that is that like is that like a gay um, term? The down low, like, like, like it's like something for men. It's like men who sleep with men but don't aren't publicly you know seen with them i guess it wasn't that bad because yeah because if, you didn't know yeah and like that's, only a third of this podcast knew about it so and also i did i wouldn't even say that that was towns either way i don't think that's what they were trying to say i think there's just his initials i don't think he was gay no no he was gay he definitely oh, really was gay. what See? towns is definitely I gay i missed this whole thing oh well first of all he's that guy comes into the room and like and then he he basically confesses it in like well not confesses no it's not a crime but like basically tells it was crazy I was gonna ask you guys like why was he apologizing to her oh yeah no because it was like I was which is kind of funny because what we talk about it and I may destroy you but it was like I was kind of flirting with you and I wasn't really sure what I wanted with you but I knew I was gay so that's what he was apologizing for when did he say that no that's what he was apologizing for because it was like what I really wanted was to be a friend with your friend and I was a bit confused. Blew over my head completely. Oh no, he was hundred percent gay. I was like, yeah. Flew over my head completely. Wait, so what do you what do you think the guy in the room was doing? Like, you just, just thought he was friend, didn't she? Was just... she, No, but see, Banky, <laughs> she's not clouded <laughs> by the mask of toxic masculinity. Like, she doesn't have that hanging over her head. So yeah, but like, see. what friends are just sharing hotel rooms together? Yeah, Benny and Benny. I don't even if they're brothers, whatever. Like, guy, friends can share hotel rooms. Oh no, I think like, well, I don't know. I got it because I think. They even make, they make his shorts like extra it's, it's, it's short intentionally. 
I say who we share rooms all the time. I didn't think about that. It even come up as like weird to me. He didn't even recognize That's very interesting. Fair but enough. like he, the guy, yeah, the guy who's going swimming, he kind of marks his territory. Yeah, the way he's laboring yeah. around. And then he's like, he's like, dinner is at eight. Don't yeah. don't be late. Like he's kind of saying, I'm, like oh this is. God. I thought I was even saying like, okay, maybe bet she even go for the dinner. That's very. I'm. Ve- that's very interesting that you didn't get that. I'm very wow. I didn't get any of that you because guys. oh, because for me the moment I had, I was like, why were they apologizing? To oh you? wow. The, so why did you think he was she was angry with him i didn't know why she was angry oh with him. fair enough um oh that's very wow that's very interesting that you didn't you didn't think about that oh that's, i didn't catch any of that wow but anyway um ebuka ruined my perfect transition so i'll do it again because it's my podcast um speaking of the men on this show um let's talk about them let's talk about her love interests quote unquote let's talk about towns and harry and benny Janice, i know you have some thoughts so why don't you start by the way, I don't even like. I don't know. I think I had these thoughts because really. you sent. You I told me you have thoughts. All of them were accessories. Like I just enjoyed all of them. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I enjoyed that. Like one of them was ever important enough. <laughs> it was just like, guy. No, you don't because, think they were important? You don't think? No, they're... no, no. They were important, obviously. That's what I'm saying. To her growth. What yeah. I'm saying is that, and this is not even like a man or woman thing, but romantic yeah. relationship very capable of becoming distractions and i liked that yeah. none of them was that for her like in fact even when i could not play chess i suppose like guy you couldn't see that you're weak and next thing the guy said moving out like you are here like because this is the thing as well i i really enjoyed a lot of it because again i i i felt very real i love the potential very realistic it was like romance is happening but like it doesn't take the center stage of the story mm-hmm. the story is chess she still has chess to do, um, and that's still what's going to happen. Okay, can I see my point of view? Men are trash, right? Agree. And I'm full on for shows that highlight and educate about men being trash. Keep on making those shows that educate people. But I was very happy that these guys were just good guys. Like, it was refreshing to me to just watch this show where all the guys were just, like, good I wasn't like. Barkley threw around this word "good" too easily for me, and I didn't. I didn't they, like it. But they were good. Like they were. They were complex in the way all humans are complex. But like they weren't bad men. They were good for Beth. And yeah, why were they good for Beth? Because Beth was also good for them. No, not what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm saying like there was no one in the show that were like, "Oh, I hate you because you're a sexist and you're misogynistic." Or whatever. But that's not true. Even if they would be sexist and misogynistic, it would not be to Beth. And that's exactly what I'm telling you. Their relationship literally started from like, wow, this baby is literally the best. It came from like, and that's another thing. Men can treat women that they respect with respect. That's never been the issue. The respect came after she proved herself. Because I mean, the first in the tournament was like, guy, you're going to play in beginners. Well, you know what was really playing her mind? Even Belchie did not pay her mind. She beat him. Then he humbled himself and came back. So again, I understand the point you're trying to make, but good is not the word. But most most men wouldn't even humble themselves. They'd just be more pissed at women. My dear, if, my dear, if you are going to have to play her later, no. Because even was his name, the first the the guy that was good, the guy that was really good, the yeah, person he met, her, he really ignored him. He was just like Dude. until it came to the point that okay, they had to play. It was like Gra, I've been watching your games. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. They also didn't engage with her until they had to. Even Towns, it was like okay. Besides, Towns the only person that I would say okay. Oh, Towns was a good guy. 
that's what I'm saying. That sounds the only one that would say okay from the beginning and interesting her before it was like, oh yeah, this badass chess babe. But that's what I'm saying again. I think we get caught up in good and bad guy, and I don't think any of the nobody's good, nobody's bad. People are just yeah, but that's, yeah, that's my point. That's my point. Is like no, I agree, but I no, no, no. We've obviously we've seen shows, we've watched shows where the guys are bad guys, and like we're going to talk about a couple of them in I May Destroy You. Like these are bad people, and these are people I do not want to root for. You know who we're interacting with? Beth. These guys interacting with someone that was not Beth could have also been like that because, like I told, the first time she met Beth, he was like that. Maybe, but he was also like that to every guy. He was like he was like that. He was just a smug person. I'm not saying that he was like that to her because she was whatever. I'm just saying he wasn't just a good guy. He was a guy that respected her. And actually wanted to be in her life. She's someone that commands your interest. So that's where a lot of those relationships came from. And it doesn't mean, okay, they now didn't become helpful for her, but it started from that fascination with her. It wasn't just, okay, I'm going to give you respect because you're a human being, which is where goodness lies. Okay, fair enough. Exactly. I mean, okay. No, now, I'm not, I'm. It's not an argument. I'm not trying to counter it. I just like. No, no, because you're like, okay, yeah, really. The viewers can't see you, but Bunkley was there making some weird eyes, and I'm like, guy, I'm, let's talk. No, back. I'm not trying to counter. I'm just trying to say that I just liked watching these guys that were. I understand what you're saying. In the end, we're able to come and like. Nobody's gonna treat Oprah like a dickhead if they know that she's Oprah. I love watching Chinasa cook. We're gonna have fun today. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm not trying to discredit your point. You made points, and that's fine. Let's talk about Borgo. I want to... So this is me. You guys don't have to have any opinions on this, but I was watching it and I just really want to examine the Beth Borgo battles because I feel like, mainly as a screenwriting perspective, I just feel like it was incredible. Like, the... um. So the first the first time Beth and Borgo meet, right, it's... We know Beth is good, but we also know that this guy is... Borgo is kind of like treated like the monster in a monster movie. Is lying behind the, the curtains. We know he's there, but we don't really know the extent of his power, so to speak. We know Beth is good, but we also know that she's not entirely showing her ability against someone like Borgov, right? So she plays him, and she loses. She loses mainly because he's the better player. He plays better, and he beats her. That's, it's sad, but like it's done. It's something that we expect. And then the second time they meet, what like the, the show has, at that point, kind of... Cause at this point, it's like an under, um, underdog sports story. Like, you're like, okay, she loses one, she's going to win the second time. We're used to the idea of the rematch. You go the rematch and you win. The script kind of plays with that idea of that. So, Beth plays Benny the first time, loses. Second time, she beats him. Plays him in speeches the first time. Second time, she beats him. And so, like, the script is like, oh, okay, you guys as viewers are used to the rematch being the time when you win. So, they're like, okay, we're going into the rematch with Borgov. And also, Beth has trained with Harry, and then she, what do you call it, beats Benny. Now, she's trained with Benny, so we're like, okay, she's probably going to beat Borgov at this point. But you're still thinking, okay, what is, if anything's going to stop her from beating Borgov, it's going to be her. She's going to be the one to be her own enemy. But she's sober. She's, she's not drinking. And then you're like, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe she's actually going to beat Borgov at this point. Then Cleo calls, and Cleo's like, come down for a drink. But she says no, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's it. You said no, so I guess you're actually going to be, like, you, you're not going to be your worst enemy. Obviously, that's, that's quickly cancelled in the next scene. And it's, you can see it in Borgov. He's almost like, 
he's almost disappointed that she sabotages herself and he's disappointed in the level of the fight and it's just a very interesting way the script works and then obviously the third time it happens it's like i'm sorry if i'm if i'm going on benny has gone on this whole monologue where it's like the russians win because they know how to use their team especially in adjournment and it happens when Lyushchenko goes into adjournment but obviously americans are very individualistic and want to win by themselves whereas the central tenet of what they call it sports stories like the whole idea of teamwork and everything and so we know that and we know watching because we've watched this story before we've watched sports stories and she knows to have a team to beat Borgo. then they go into the final battle they're going into adjournment and like she's going to lose again because as a russian he's going to get his old team and everything and then it has to be this group of like of her friends of her of her good the good male friends that that come in <laughs> that come in and obviously give her the advice for the during the adjournment and it's Okay, so now she's ready to face Borgo. But at the same time, he does something, he goes off script and does something that no one's expecting. And it has to be her natural skills and her natural abilities that helps her beat Borgo. And it's just like, it's it's such a classic, for like the last half of the show, it becomes a sports film. It becomes this classic underdog sports film. And it's like playing with your expectations, but at the same time delivering on things that you want. Like I watched Second Time and that call from Benny gives me goosebumps every time it shouldn't but it does because like, like it's Anya Taylor-Joy's acting it's Towns's facial reactions it's just it's that scene in the sports film where the entire team rallies against the one guy that no one expected to do anything or the fans clap for the underdog everything it's just like it's that one scene in the film where like oh this is a sports film and this is what makes this inspiring and everything but anyway that was my whole spiel on the Beth and Borgo battles. Does anyone have anything they want to say? Okay, nothing? Okay, that's good. No, I have things. I wanted to let Ibuka go first. I don't really have too many in-depth thoughts about Borgo. I just thought, I, I don't think he said much, but I just thought the way they shot the character and the way they introduced him, as Banky said, like the monster in the monster film was very good. Guy. I mean, I already said, I have to remember so that Borgo's the master because I was just like, what? Because it's also just like, again, this like American idea of what a Russian is, which is just like next to a robot, just exists with precision and finesse. Like, and he just embodied that like crazy. With the, um, I love, like you said, I love that it was still her mind. And I think it was very important that it was still her mind that won her that match. Because again, how did this girl know she was good at chess? She's sitting in her bed, there's chessboard on the ceiling, like, and she's just playing the game. She's just playing the game. So for that to happen in the final match, I, I really enjoyed that whole sequence. I really enjoyed that whole sequence. Um, I think that with Borgov, even if she didn't go out, mentally she was not prepared to beat him until the, the final match. Mentally she was not prepared to beat him. Mentally she didn't believe she could beat him. And I think that, that well, that's also a necessary element of winning the match. Because with a lot of her matches, you see like the way she looks into her opponent's eyes. When it's bothered, she just like, she just retreats. She just cause her eyes will be going down. And it's just like, guy, no. Because chess is also about like bluffing to some degree. Like you have to be able to be like, nah, I'm moving this bishop. What are you going to do about it? Like I've moved it here. What's your own move kind of vibe? And I think a lot of what gave her that confidence was obviously that phone call. And was obviously also Towns being there. Um, so yeah, like I said, she was someone that needed people. Um, I like that they should. And in different capacities at different times, yeah, I just like the way, um, from a screenwriting perspective, I just like the way the way it's structured and the way each game yeah. kind of presents a different obstacle that she needs she needs to meet in order to become good enough to to beat to beat Borgov. And 
I like Borgov is someone who obviously like even from the time in the lift you could tell that he has this respect for her like you said he said she's an orphan what she could actually has to do this and yeah he's like yeah. don't under he tells his Russian friends don't estimate her yeah. and even when 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 they're in Paris and she she speaks in Russian about how she's been studying their games you have you see this smile come up on his face and when he finally yeah. loses he's, he's almost it's almost no for Lufchenko it's a relief like Lufchenko was happy to lose to Hannah I think Borgov was it was like the respect was like I knew this day was coming and I'm happy I'm kind of happy that you got here eventually and yeah. it wasn't someone else that knocked me out and, and so I like that I like that he had this grace in his losing and he Ben even tells you that they normally don't knock out their pieces to resign but he gives her the piece and he's like take it it's your win and stuff like yeah. that yeah let's talk about Anya Taylor-Joy Oh, me? Are you looking at me, Bankole? Yes, yes, I'm looking at you. Go ahead. Talk about Anya Taylor-Joy. Bankole, let's um, talk about her. You want to be one of the good guys in your life, so... <laughs> I literally have on my notes, I just have Anya Taylor-Joy under, under that, she's great. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Because, so I'd seen Anya in Peaky... I think she's last season of Peaky Blinders. Oh, okay, okay, this is like a fun actress and whatever. I did not... Oh my it's... God, you just blew my mind with that. Oh, that you, you didn't, you forgot she was in America. Yes, yes. Hey! I hated that character. I was like, why did I know she was there? Because I yeah. skipped that bit. Um, it's ridiculous the amount of work that she has to do for this show. Like, no, it's ridiculous. This show is squarely on her shoulders. It's such oh a cerebral performance. She doesn't, everything has to happen on her face. I don't think, I, I don't right. think Beth has that much dialogue in, like when you get the seven episodes. Like, Everything just has to happen in in Anya's head and then on her face. It's it's just ridiculous what she has to do on this. Like I'm pretty sure she's in like ninety eight percent of the scenes of this of this of this show. So like okay, apart from the first episode, obviously. Um, I just it's it, I don't know, man. It's it's a star making performance. It's a star affirming performance. It's like this is someone that you have to keep an eye on because what she's doing is incredibly difficult and incredibly profound and just beautiful to see yeah in many other actresses hands Beth falls like you're like I don't believe it I don't buy it but you see it in Anya you see her acting and doing what she needs to do for this performance and it's just it's just incredible I I don't really know what I can say that if you've watched the show you've seen it it's just an incredible performance even the person that played the child version of what I need to find that actress's name because that she she killed it because she introduces us to Beth. So if you don't even believe the child, mm-hmm. transition can be a bit shaky. And that child actress did phenomenal from start to finish. Ate it up. The first, like, five seconds of Anya reminded me of, and I, I hate that I can't remember her name, Killing Eve. Jodie Comier. I'm telling you, that those, like, the actresses that you just watch and they captivate you from 001. Yeah. And two of them have that quality. Like, she completely disappeared into that character. Like, there's no separation. You can't say that she's not like Beth. You are lying. I don't believe you get out. She she ate that role up. She literally ate it up. There's just no other way to even describe it. She was absolutely phenomenal, breathtaking in the big things, in the little things, in everything. Jolene as well for me, because it's even the same actress that played mm-hmm. the like the age version. Yeah, how she was able to capture like teenage, like in the beginning when she's doing like uh, with like the drug or hammer. Like she was able to capture childlike behavior and then also like give us boss bitch. I was also thinking, I was like, rah. It was so funny when she kept calling her crack up. I was like, guy, it's so crazy that you can see me. 
I, I think it's 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 funny because it's one of those things you take for granted. Like a lot of people be like, "Oh, I really like Queen's Gambit," and they don't really know why. But like um, you said, like how captivating Anya Taylor Joy is is a big is big part of that. Like see, when Banky said, many actresses would fail, or they just leave the character very forgettable. That's where she wins, and that's what carries the show. Yep, she just embodied every nuance possible. These are all performances where obviously. Anya is the big one, and it's like, oh, okay, you're a, you're not just an actress, a good actress, you're a star, you're someone who can hold down an entire show, you can hold down a movie and stuff like that. And I think for the, the guys, um, Moses Ingram, who plays Jolene as well, you're like, oh, okay, everyone is like, you have show, um, producers and stuff are, are taking notes with these guys, and like, oh, okay, I want to keep an eye on you and, and stuff like that. So that's it's very, look... I wish we could spend. I wish we could spend more time on Anya because everyone just... everyone was good in it. Like yeah, yeah. the mom and what's his name Belchick. And, and I the, thought they were really the good. mom is someone who we didn't really know was an actress. I kind of know her as a director. Um, she's directed a few movies. She directed um, Melissa McCarthy in um, Can You Ever Forgive Me and stuff. So we didn't really know she was an actress, and then she just came and just did that. And you're like, oh, okay. So I guess you guys just I know what you're doing. Um, I wish we could spend time on Anya. It was just like there's there isn't much more you could say. It's just something that you you just feel and you're just like you know this show was just just happened because of her. Um, so because I'm me, I'm gonna spend a few not not too long, but I just I need to talk about the filmmaking in this because it's you when people like I said when people said they liked Queen's Gambit, right? People that I knew I wasn't necessarily gonna recommend it to. I was very interested to know why, because like it's a show that most people normally would say, "Oh, it's it's slow or it's boring or I couldn't get into it." So I was like, "Why? What is it in this particular show that was like that caught the entire?" And obviously, part of I think most of it is Anya's performance. But I think is there are a lot of little things that happen in the filmmaking thing that I think a casual viewer might not register, but it makes you feel a certain way and it makes you invested in it. So obviously, this just like I may destroy you is like the result of one person's singular vision. So. Scott Frank wrote, directed, created the show. And from the moment when young Beth in the, in the first episode like gets the first, she goes, she takes the tranquilizers for the first time, which apparently were like a real thing. Like they were giving tranquilizers to people in orphanages to keep them men, which is just like, oh my God. So when you take the, the tranquilizers for the first time, you're like, oh, this is someone that knows what they're doing, like in terms of the filmmaking. Like, And then obviously you have that first set piece where the chess pieces start appearing on, on the ceiling and you're like, oh, okay, this is, I'm, I'm in the hands of like a master filmmaker. This is someone that knows what they're doing. Like the camera movements are, are incredible. The camera movements always, when Beth steps into like a new surrounding, like into the new house, with the armor's house, like the wallpaper, it's like the camera movements always place you, you always know where Beth stands in relation to this new world that she's in, either it's a new world in a family or the new chess world. It's just like, there's this... I was going to say that. Like, every time she goes for a new tournament or somewhere new, the way the camera... I don't even know what it's called, because obviously I'm not as technical as you guys, but the way it pans out and just follows her, like, through the entrance or whatever, and you get to really feel yourself in that location. I think there's this when um Beth when the girls from Beth's school invite her over to join the social club, right? The camera kind of follows Beth as she leaves the house, which obviously to Beth is already a big house because she's she spent six years in an orphanage. And then it takes her to the new house and it kind of like just follows her and pans into this wide shot of this incredible mansion like house. And you're like, you see the difference where Beth has gone from what she thought was a big house to 
something that she could never have understood. And it's just, that could have been done different. That could have been a normal cut into her entering the house. But like, just the way it's done, you're like, you get the feeling, even if you don't know what's being done, you, you understand what you're meant to feel. And it's like the editing at the US Championship in episode five, that's the one where she finally beats um, Benny, is, is just incredible filmmaking. Because obviously you're, you're shooting chess. So I, I guess anything, what Scott Frank was going in was like, how do I make chess interesting? And he does several things. He There's obviously the part where the chess is relayed through the radio. You have a kid running out to tell the crowd what the, the move that was played. You have it done on the replica board. And it's like, he just does so many different things to give energy to each chess game. And there's that editing against, and it's like, it's the first time we get to see someone else's trajectory in the chess tournament. Every time we always just see Beth and then we see her in the final against someone. But this is the first time where you're like, we get to see Benny's trajectory as well. And then I think I think that's for like two reasons. One, it tells us that Benny would be would play a bigger role in the in the larger story. But it's also like, oh look, this guy is really good at chess. Like he's also destroying people. So that when Beth does beat him, we we understand that. It's a big deal. And it's just a ra- another random person that she's beating. And like the way it's edited, like their lines of sight are always kind of looking at each other. So like no matter who they are playing, no matter what round they're in, you get the impression that they're always thinking about the other person. Like the other person is on their mind because of the way it's edited. And it's just it's just beautiful. The sound design, the ticking clock, the the sound of the chess pieces on the board, always you, you get that propulsive um, emotion about it. It's like they somehow made chess feel like a boxing, a boxing match between two two boxers. And it's just like you always feel like there's tension and the clock is ticking, so maybe time is running out and you can see it on their faces. And it's just anyway. Look, I could probably spend the whole and episode. It goes, like obviously, this is not like a filmmaking thing, but it goes part of what made helped them make chess exciting was that they described their play styles in ways that the normal person don't understand. Mm. So you don't need to know all the pieces, <clears throat> but you know that Beth is aggressive and you know that her aggression has cost her in the past already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's not supposed to be like that. Yeah, and it's like something happens and somebody moves a piece and I have no idea what it means, but I know what I know something's wrong. I yeah, know, you can I know, feel I know it. Beth is fucked. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like, I, I couldn't tell you what one piece I've, like, yeah, but like, you just know that, okay, something something bad is happening here or something great is happening here. And it's I just... The speed chess scene specifically, mm. marvelous. Because it's like, fam, none of us, like, if you don't know chess, you have no clue what's going on. Absolutely none. But the tension is there. The, your, your, the engagement is there. Like, you cannot take your eyes off the moment. And I, I'll say two things. Speed chess scene and the scene where she's playing multiple people. There's even a scene where she now also did speed chess with multiple people. Because mm-hmm. I was just watching this thing and I'm like, guy, how much do you have to know about chess to write this kind of show? Because also, they're not just going to be playing rubbish. Because the people that Oh, no, yeah, definitely. Show. I think I watched an interview where Anya was like, so basically, and most times, they had to like learn the moves right before they shot it because yeah. you need to know what you're actually doing. So like for like the speed chess, you had to learn. So you, you shoot it in one take, right? You shoot right. from each angle. You just learn everything. You just learn everything as she was doing it. They have to give us shock. They have to give us their upping the level of advancement, but they have to give us that bet they do consistently. Mm-hmm of these stages they did so well done yeah okay i mean look i think it's it's kind of like 
one of the biggest examples of just like um wholesome filmmaking like every everybody involved is on their job editing the score was insane the score was insane there's a scene and i just think anyone who's watched queen's game just you have five minutes just go back and watch that last that last chess game between beth and and borgo this the the music there is so good it's like when she starts looking to the ceiling and, and the chess pieces start coming out, the music swells. It's just, the score there is just incredible. But everybody, like, you have production design, like Beth's costumes mirror chess pieces. Like the product, the wallpaper is mirror where Beth is in her life. Like the music, the, the production design, everything is just tailored to be perfect. And it's just, it's an incredible piece of, of filmmaking. Her final outfit is literally a, literally a queen. Yeah, a queen's yeah. piece. When she, when she, when she buttons it up. Yeah, and then the final person she 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 plays kind of looks like well, if you squint hard enough, kind of looks like Shaibo. And you're like, oh, okay, that's he does. That's Shaibo, and that's what I'm saying. That's why this story does well because it's not just about chess. They they make it such a relatable, like deeply personal story. Mm-hmm. I think the what's his name, the creator said that it was like it was supposed to be a movie, but he didn't want it to be a chess story. He wanted it to be more than that. That's why he chose to make a yeah. mini series. So they've been trying to do this for a while. Like it was meant to be a movie where um, Heath Ledger was meant to direct it before he passed away. Yeah, that, that. Obviously, that didn't work. And then it's meant to be. And it's this doesn't work as a movie. As a movie, it's a very straightforward like sports film. Like it's probably centered around three or four chess chess like tournaments and stuff. It doesn't it doesn't work as a movie. Quickly. Right. Okay, so I just remember when her mom went back to the dad and said, please, I need help. And this nigga was just like, yeah, it's too late. And I'm saying these are two very valid perspectives because the dad was following the mom around mm. for years, finding her, begging her, let me be your daughter's life. But it's also just like our understanding of mental health is so limited in school in the sense that like, obviously, I mean, she had been moving mad in the sense of just disappearing. Mm. But the guy was just quiet at that point, but she literally was like, I need your help. And he yeah. just didn't he just didn't hear her in the way she was saying it. Because yeah. she knew that, yeah. that she she's just like I'm literally incapable of taking care of this child. And I just found that scene so the whole of episode six, first of all, the beginning speech Beth's mom gives to her, something about she said it takes a lot of strength to be alone as a woman in this world, where many people will settle for nothing just to say they have something. Mm. But people will settle for anything just to say they have something. That line is so profound. It is so profound because it's so true. That whole, I just found that whole beginning monologue very beautiful. I can't finish this. I can't, I don't think I can finish this episode without shouting out Bill Camp, who obviously, who was um, Shaibo. I think he's such, like, he's someone that once I see, I know it's going to be like. I saw him and I was like, let's go. So most people might know him from the night manager. Sorry, what? No, the night of. Um, he's also been in a few other things, um, Looming yeah. Tower with Jeff Daniels and stuff. But he's he's so reliable. He's someone like once you see him in the thing, you're like, okay, I'm I'm in. I believe, yeah, you know what you're gonna do. So, um, okay, does anybody have any other final points on on Queen's Gambit? Um, I just think it's sick how like it went from like the final. I like, I don't know if you guys noticed or like you guys have seen someone talk about this, but the final move that she used to be Borg of was her sacrificing her queen and then transforming a pawn to a queen. So, like, she got the pawn to the end of the table and it became a queen. And I just thought it was a perfect way to end, considering, like, okay, let's just say her whole life she's been the pawn and then now she's won. Like, she's at the top and she's she feels like she's finally become the queen. 
I thought that was a great way for them to end all the chess games in the Okay, wait. Show. So are you telling me that it's taking the entire episode to let us know that you actually understand chess? Oh, are you serious? Oh, nigga, I play chess. <laughs> well, how's it just t- how's it taking you this long to like oh, wow. to, to like drop some actual chess knowledge? Bro, to me, she just moved a piece and another piece and she won. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Nah, like, um, yeah. But that that was, was, I didn't know that. Really so that's nice. actually, that, that's actually, that's kind of cool, I guess. I didn't, I didn't know about um, that. I think if you remember the scene that she was playing with, like this young Russian child, yeah, and okay. he was like, you know, I watch you, I'm an idol. And she was like, okay, so what do you want? She was like, okay, I want to be world champion. She said, okay, yeah, watch her brain at 16, what next? And I just feel like I really enjoy shows that like make the audience ask questions, ask yourself questions as well. Because I feel like, which is back to what I'm saying about this thing of mm-hmm. like with creativity and letting it subdue your entire identity. Because it's like, okay. And I think they also try to use Alma to make that point to you. Okay. Yeah, what? Well, because now, Beth, like, she has achieved everything wants to achieve. Like, as the episode ended, obviously, it's pretending it's like all happiness. But I like that. At least a conversation she has already had with herself. It's like, okay, there's life after chess. Like, yeah. it's just like, and I like that she told that was the one thing that she said to that younger person. It's just kind of like, as someone that obviously is extremely consumed by it. Um, and that, is, that is scary, it. though. It is. Because, because does Beth have a life after chess? I think that's she does I'm now. Saying. I think she does now. I think she's, she's, and I think, I think she's that's built why these relationships. Final episode, exactly. That's why that phone call was so important and Towns being there was so important. And Jolie. Back to like the just liberty thing I said. He's like, guys, if you've achieved everything you want in life at like 21 and you're not happy, then it's just like, guy, that's when you have midlife crisis. Because, like, okay, so one more. I'm rich. I've gotten Grammy. I've gotten like, it's like most of us spend our whole life working towards achieving what we want and achieve some of it and don't even achieve all of it. So it's like when you do achieve all of it because you started so young, what next? I think it's a very important question. I think that's also a very big thing with the line between creativity and psychosis. There's something very, very well, interesting to me about that scene with the kid. And I don't know if it was in the script or it was Anya's decision. But when she's asking the kid that question, she's not looking at him. She's looking down. She, she only looks at him when he responds. And so you can see that she's, she's saying the words to him, but she's asking herself that question. That's exactly what I'm saying. She's not, yep. com- yeah, she's not having a conversation with him. She's just saying, and it's, Anya is particularly looking down. You can see that she's talking to herself and then he answers and she finally looks up and is like, like what, what what then? And it's just an incredible piece of like, it's something, it's acting, and it's, it's directing, like, yeah, it's just beautiful. Can you imagine how good Borgov had to have been to still be world champion to his like nah. 40s? Also, did you guys call that they're saying that like, the guy, they were like, KGB had to follow him so he would run away. Oh yeah, he was, the sense, America, sent CIA we had to, because we wanted to fake. Nah, America Which, which Do you know what leads? I hate? I've been for like an American to like also be the best in the world. I'm just like, y'all, even things are not the best at. Because guy, I promise you there are Kenyan children that are also on this level. Even things are not the best at, they are so obsessed with like giving themselves best in the world. And I was like, obviously this picture now, so whatever you guys can have it. But like, it must be the best. Oh yeah, Russia is the best. Relax. <laughs> ah. um, they must always be the best. So I have one final question. And it, like, we're not going to be able to answer it, but I just wanted to ask the question. What do you guys think Shaibo was in his previous life? Just a yeah, quick answer, if you have if you have an idea. I think he was a career janitor. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a Russian dissident. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, I think that, he came. I think he came to work like he he defected 
And then obviously America, being America, CIA being CIA, kind of like let him dry out and he went to work in the janitor. So, I think, yeah, I think this guy, because you should to wake up and play chess every day. Yeah, and he's like very angry with life. I, I think he's a Russian dissident. But that's, that obviously, you, you cannot prove that, but that's just my thinking. No, um, I also, that, that is very, very fun. That's a very feasible thing. Um, wow, this was a very, I love this conversation. I hope our listeners love it as well. Um, yeah, that, this was very nice. Uh, Chinasa. Yes, love. Are you looking at me? No. My birth is your birth. My death, My death is, is your death. death. We're talking about I May Destroy You in part two of this episode. The alliance is spicy blood. <laughs> See you guys then. <laughs>